Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's Conference Championship Week. Your team, the Virginia Tech Hokies, are in the Conference Championship. How are you doing, sir? So far, so good, but the game hasn't happened yet, so... uh, could, time will tell. Time will tell, yeah. Uh, could be really good, could be ugly, could be somewhere in between. We're going to find out together. You are traveling this weekend, but not for the game. That's uh, right. Taking a, just a weekend up in Boston, actually going to go see your Patriots play. I am, on Sunday. And, and this is a good time to rant about NFL tickets and how insanely expensive they are. Like, this is the Rams. I mean, the, the Pats are playing the Rams, so this should be relatively inexpensive tickets yeah try again no ticket is inexpensive when you go to an nfl game definitely one of the more underrated things about why college football is way better than the nfl uh i've looked at texans tickets here and it kind of doesn't matter who they're playing you can't get in the door for less than a hundred dollars which is insane especially talking about some of the like upper deck level tickets you're going to be getting for those prices so yeah uh Forget the NFL. We're still in college football season, right. so stick around here with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike, so we've only got one game this week, uh, so this one's going to go a little quicker than others. But I wanted to start, so we got a little bit of news earlier this week as the uh, all ACC teams were released. Uh, we got first, second, third, and honorable mention uh, available. First team was really run by Clemson. There were eight Clemson players in the first team, all ACC. I thought it was noteworthy, too. Uh, This is the thing that really irked me and bothered me about this, was Virginia, a 2-10 team, had three first-team All-ACC players, where there were several teams much better that had none. Uh, And and my team in particular, Georgia Tech, goes 8-4, and their best player is on the third team. So, a little bit of voter bias. Uh, I, I... I just feel like that was a uh, that was a little inappropriate. It was a little bit of a slap in the face to Georgia Tech. So I'm standing up for my guys there. But uh, overall, a lot of the guys that we would expect: uh, Mike Williams, Ahmed Atawo, and Ryan Switzer, your wide receivers; Jordan Leggett, the tight end; Lamar Jackson at quarterback; Dalvin Cook, James Conner at running back. Uh, no real complaints there. Quadri Henderson also from Pittsburgh, the specialist. Uh, since we love him on this podcast, we right do. Now. Yeah, I, I love Quadri Henderson. I. He's good. He's a good player. Yeah, he's really good. I don't. It. I mean, the rest of Pitt's roster, take it or leave it, except for James Conner, greatest story in college football. But besides James Conner, Cody Henderson, want nothing to do with him. I don't need to go on another rant, do I? I think we're good. Well, if you guys haven't heard the uh, Week 13 recap show, Mike had some uh, rather heated Nate Peterman takes for, on there, so. and for no reason too. Like, I'm not really sure. I kind of feel bad about it now. And hindsight, I'm like, why did I go off on Nate Peterman like that? You know, you go back and listen to it, you're like, oh my god, like, what's wrong with me? But that was awesome. I mean, everything I said was true though. So go go back. So go back and listen to the uh, recap if you haven't already. Please do. Uh, defense, Demarcus Walker, Ewan Price, Carlos Watkins, Woody Barron on um, the defensive line. Woody Barron. Ben, ben Bulware, Micah Kaiser, Devontae Fields, the linebackers, Tavares McFadden, Corderia Tankersley, uh, Quinn Blanding, Jadar Johnson, the, uh, the secondary. So you can see a bunch of Clemson players in there, but a lot of just really good talent across the board. Um, honestly, I mean, Mike, were there any real egregious uh, kind of misses here any anybody that really deserved to be on here that was not well 
one thing that's really interesting to me is that, and you and I were just discussing this before we hit record, Virginia has three players um, on the first team All-ACC. They have uh, Nicholas Conte, the punter, um, and then, of course, Micah Kaiser, the linebacker, and Quinn Blanding, their All-American safety. So they have three players on a 2-10 and ten team making first-team All-ACC, which is pretty remarkable. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's nothing real egregious here. Um, I think that most everybody on this first-team roster deserve to be on the first-team roster. Um, you, you look at you know, the quarterback position, Lamar Jackson, obviously, and the way he played for basically the entire season, he carried Louisville. So, obviously, he was a shoe-in for first-team All-ACC, a quarterback. Kadri Henderson is a specialist. You really can't argue with that. Um, James Conner, what a story. Um, it's hard not to put him first-team. Yeah, he was great. Um, Dalvin Cook and everything that he's done for Florida State this year, especially the second half of the year, he's really come on strong. He's looked like more like the 2015 version of Dalvin Cook that we saw kind of carry Florida State when their offense was just really, really inept last year as a whole, especially in the passing game. Um, and the offensive line was playing poorly, and it was the Dalvin Cook show, and he was running basically on one leg last year. So um, when, you, when you look at it from that perspective, it's pretty impressive, um, the season that Dalvin Cook's having right after – he put together the year that he had last year. Um, the receiver positions, really hard to argue. Mike Williams and Ryan Switzer, Amba Edatawo, he's turning into one of the better receivers in Syracuse history. Of course, he'll wrap up. He wrapped up his season on, uh, well, his career on Saturday with five touchdown receptions um, in, in his final coll- uh, collegiate game. So it's no surprise really that Amba Edatawo's in. I mean, I think if you had to have a legitimate gripe over anything, it's that Amba Edatawo made first team, but then you look at the season he had and the fact he had five touchdowns in his final performance of the year, it's pretty difficult not to put him in uh, as the third receiver on, on first team. Um, one more real quick, tight end Jordan Leggett, absolute shoe-in. He's been fantastic all year long for Clemson and offense that struggled a lot more than they had um, a year ago when they were one of the better offenses in college football. The offense is still, of course, really, really good. Um, you, you know, as they brought back Mike Williams, they still have Arteva Scott, Wayne Gallman, and of course, Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So it's really nice to see Jordan Leggett get some love there at tight end. Um, he's had a really nice career there at Clemson. He's going to look to wrap it up the right way here over the next few weeks. Of course, the ACC championship, and who knows what happens if his team wins and they move on to the college football playoff. I'll point out that Amba Atawo, to, to give him credit where it's due, uh, he led the conference in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, yep. and he was top six in the country in all of those numbers. Uh, yep. So he, he had a fantastic season. I, I'm looking at, you know, so again, we were complaining about the Virginia thing. Um, first of all, Quinn Blanding at safety, I think that that's deserved. He's He is a hell of a football player on a very questionable team, so glad to see him get that recognition. Uh, Nicholas Conti, the punter, got... I mean, he led the conference in punting average by the slimmest of margins. Like, at some point, I feel like you go for the guy who had a little more impact on his team-winning games. And the other one that really made this team, again, Micah Kaiser, he's a good player, but I felt like maybe the linebackers, there was there were some good linebackers in the ACC this year that yeah. didn't get a ton of recognition. Markel Lee, Keith Kelsey were second team. Uh, ben Humphreys from Duke was third team. And then the other guy that was honorable mention who might be, you know, he, he 
probably deserved to be on one of these teams at the very least. Uh, Matt Milano in Boston College. Yep. So, so I don't know. I, I feel like there was maybe a little extra credit given for uh, players for Virginia. Really, that's I mean, a, a team that did not play play well this year and didn't accomplish a ton. Like, just. It would have been nice to see uh, some other guys get some credit there, I felt like. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, the defense, looking at the season some of these linebackers have had and looking at the depth at the linebacker position, the ACC, I guess you're going to have a legitimate gripe with any of these all-ACC teams. It's going to be at linebacker just because the position's so deep. Um, your favorite team might have one of the better linebackers in the conference, and chances are with the way the ACC is at that position, um, pretty stacked. So... You could really stack up these linebackers however you want. Ben Bulware from Clemson, I'm not the biggest fan of him as, as a player, uh, but he's he's good, so he gets first team. There's no real surprise there. Devontae Fields at Louisville, he's just been a fantastic player wherever he's been, whether it be at TCU or now at Louisville. Um, and then now you look at the um, the rest of the defense there. Um, Tavares McFadden, the cornerback for Florida State, I mean, he's had a really nice season, obviously took on a much bigger role um, at Florida State than he has um, in recent years just because of the turnover they had um, on, on the defensive side of the ball, and he slides in at a defensive back position that was really needed. Um, they needed the, the strong play out of him this year, especially when safety Derwin James went down. They needed somebody to really step up in the secondary, and Tavares McFadden was that guy. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of Virginia Tech fans are going to complain about Isaiah Ford not getting into first-team All-ACC, but you look at the receivers in front of him, Mike Williams at Ottawa, and then, of course, Ryan Switzer, who had the best season of his career here in his senior season at North Carolina. It's really difficult to kind of put Isaiah Ford, um, despite what you think of him as a player, um, to put him into the top three when you consider the actual stats on the season. Uh, Virginia Tech was a little bit more balanced um, on offense than a Syracuse or North Carolina. I think we can argue that, especially when you consider the fact that North Carolina didn't run the ball nearly as much as they could have with Elijah Hood. Um, but Clemson is an offense very similar to Virginia Tech as far as balance is concerned, and Mike Williams was the best receiver on that offense, so he got the nod. But when you consider the volume at receiver that an Abba Edetalo and a Ryan Switzer get, it's no surprise that they slide into number two and number three slot at receiver over a guy like Isaiah Ford who's playing in a much more balanced offense than those two other guys I just mentioned. So um, hard to have a gripe there if you're a Virginia Tech fan, truthfully. But um, when, when looking at the rest of the rankings, I mean, I you know, I the only issue I really have is I think there was a lot of Clemson and Florida State bias. I mean, they do have a lot of really good players, but I think, uh, to your point, Joey, um, when, when we kick this thing off, I think they're – are a lot of positions where there are, you know, some toss-ups and they could have maybe slid in somebody else first team or second team and they decided to just go with a Clemson or Florida State player because they've been so good in recent years. Um, I do think there's a little bit of media bias in that regard, so that's the only real gripe I have. But then when you look at the players themselves, I mean, they're all very good and everybody's really deserving. And there were just a lot of really, really good players across the entire ACC this year, whether it be from the top teams or just you know, from the, from the middle teams, and even from a team like Virginia, who has um, three players in there, and then you know, you look at uh, Boston College with Matt Milano not sneaking in. Maybe if they're a little bit better, he can slide into an All ACC team as well. So the depth of the conference really uh, is shown here in these All ACC teams. I would agree. It was a good year for the ACC. I think they 
proved a lot on the national stage. The other thing that I, I thought we should probably bring up and mention here, Mike, uh, aside from the All ACC teams, is Coach of the Year was announced, and it was uh, Justin Fuente of your Virginia Tech Hokies, and I thought that that was a, a very well deserved thing, uh, kind of improving their standing from where they were last year by a few wins, winning the division, going to the conference championship game, having them ranked, everything like this. It, it wasn't a total rebuild. There was there were some pieces in place already, but. For that team, I mean, they got better throughout the year. Outside of a couple of kind of head-scratching games, I mean, they were really solid all year, and, and uh, I felt like this was a well-deserved award for Justin Fuente in year one, Mike. Yeah, I think so, too, and, uh, you know, I'm not just saying that as a Virginia Tech fan, but you look at the who else could have been considered for ACC Coach of the Year. I think a really strong candidate about a month ago was Dave Clawson from Wake Forest, but they really kind of stumbled in to the finish there, and my Steam and Deacons were no longer rolling like – like they were in the middle part of their schedule. Um, I, I think towards the end of the year, obviously, they fell off, and it it would have been kind of competitive between uh, those two guys, Dave Clawson and Justin Fuente, but I think now that Wake Forest has kind of stumbled it stumbled to the finish line like they've had, yes, they're bowl eligible, and he would have been deserving just for making Wake Forest a bowl eligible team once again, but I think Justin Fuente is a bigger story here. Um, this is a Virginia Tech team that when, you know, we previewed them – before the season started, and we both kind of said, hey, seven or eight wins maybe, um, and that would be on the high side. Well, Virginia Tech got to nine. In reality, when you consider how they kind of let the Tennessee and Georgia Tech games slip away from a turnover perspective and some of the penalties they committed, this could have easily been an 11-1 and type season for Virginia Tech. I think the only game Virginia Tech really actually got beat in where they didn't beat themselves and at least have a hand in their downfall I think was a Syracuse game where Virginia Tech just got beat in every facet of the game, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. But you consider the five fumbles against uh, against Tennessee and, and the three fumbles they had against Georgia Tech and some really questionable play calling in the Georgia Tech game as well. Um, I think that's a game that if it went a little bit differently, I think Virginia Tech could have, could have been right in that thing at home. Um, so when, when you consider that and to still go 9-3 and three with the schedule that they had, you know, props to Justin Fuente in year one. Um, I, I think it only gets better from here. You got a relatively young team. I mean, the you may lose Isaiah Ford, you may lose Bucky Hodges to the NFL offensively, defensively. They're very young. They have Gerard Evans at quarterback. He's only a junior. He'll he'll enter his senior year next year. So they got a veteran, a veteran coming back at that position. So this is a team that's only going to get better um, outside of losing two of their receivers. I mean, they got such young depth at that position and some really good players behind the um, obvious studs that Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges have grown into over their course of their Virginia Tech careers. So, yeah, I mean, nowhere to go but up if you're Virginia Tech, and Justin Fuente is definitely deserving of ACC Coach of the Year. Really strong year for the Hokies, Mike. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's a pretty bright future as well uh, with plenty of guys – you figure to be sticking around and, and some good recruiting classes coming in too with Justin Fuente there. So, uh, yeah, so those are, I mean, those are your all ACC teams, your ACC Coach of the Year. I think there's a few more awards to be given out as far as Player of the Year and such that we haven't heard about. Uh, we'll be covering those probably in our next episode, maybe in the recap po- uh, podcast. But um, one more thing before we get into this game, Mike, that we got. Uh, we got our last set of college football playoff rankings before conference championship weekend. 
As expected, Clemson stays in the field. Uh, they are up to number three following Michigan's loss to Ohio State. Uh, kind of sticking around there, number 12 is Florida State. That's up two spots. Louisville down two spots to number 13. And Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh both get in at 23 and 25, respectively. So the ACC looking like they're going to finish with five teams in the final college football playoff ranking. That's a pretty good showing. Uh, Clemson basically needs a win here. If they if they beat Virginia Tech this weekend, they will be going to the playoff. That This pretty much locks it up here, Mike. Yeah, definitely, and that was kind of what we figured all along. It was, hey, if an ACC team gets into the top four, stays there for most of the year, and then we were assuming it was going to be either Clemson or Florida State when we did our season preview. Ends up being Clemson, of course, and we're sitting here now, and they go into the ACC championship game against a, a decent Virginia Tech team, but I think Clemson will obviously um, – be the heavy favorite as far as um, you know everybody who's betting on that game is concerned so when looking at this game um, moving into Saturday obviously if Clemson wins they're in the college football playoff and then we'll have to see what they're really made of after a season in which offensively they've really struggled compared to a year ago but over the last few weeks I mean like we mentioned in the recap podcast uh, the other night um, they, they've Struggled for most of the season, but the last few weeks they've really come on strong, and you're wondering if Clemson is hitting their stride at the right time of year, and that's something that we'll start to find out on Saturday. And then, of course, if you know if they win and move on to the college football playoff, we're really going to see what they're made of against the top four teams in the country. Speaking of which, let's just get on into it, Mike. The only game we got a preview this weekend, the, uh, the ACC – football championship game this weekend 8 p.m. on ABC also on the Watch ESPN app the number three Clemson Tigers are 10 point favorites in Orlando at the world famous Camping World Stadium oh yeah (laughs) against the number 23 Virginia Tech Hokies Mike Uh, and a 10 point spread I mean that seems like kind of a lot for a conference championship game that we would expect to be competitive and yet I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily wrong, um, especially with the way that Clemson's offense has looked lately. Uh, They've been playing well. So I I wanted to kind of break this down from two perspectives here. So let's talk about this game when Clemson has the ball, and let's talk about this game when Virginia Tech has the ball. Uh, Do you have a preference on where we start? Not at all. Um, I guess when Virginia Tech has the ball is cool with me. Um, You got it. Yeah, I did. No, no preference. We're gonna we're gonna hit it all here, Joey. So, all of it, every bit. all of it. Um, all right, let's start with the Hokies' offense against the Clemson defense. And Clemson's defense, like I was thinking about this earlier today, and and thinking, well, I think if uh, if you had to pick a weakness on the Clemson defense, they could probably be had by passing the ball. Uh, the secondary can kind of uh, not always, you know, be the strong suit of that defense. Um, they, you know, they can be had by some longer plays in the passing game. And then I was looking at it, and I was like, the stats don't back that up in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Clemson's defense, I mean, they've only allowed one 300-yard passer this year. That was your Nate Peterman. Good God. Um, just throwing that in there. Uh, thanks and thanks really, so I, much for that. <laughs> and, and really, a lot of teams, have, they've just really stifled the passing game. And I think part of that has something to do with their pass rush. Um, but I think ultimately, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna find cracks in the armor here against Clemson, I think that attacking the secondary is the way to do it. 
And and the good thing for Virginia Tech is that that's kind of been Gerard, Gerard Evans' calling card this year is he has an ability to throw the ball down the field. He's got some weapons around him. Um, and so I think that I would say in this, and at least in this context, I mean, Virginia Tech definitely has a chance to score some points here, Mike. They do. And I, I think the story in this game, you know, to your point, Virginia Tech needs to open up that passing game somehow. Um, I don't think the recipe to winning this game is just having Gerard Evans throw the ball 50 times. I think obviously um, throwing more than running is preferred because that's how Virginia Tech has scored the majority of their points this year. But I think you and I can both agree Virginia Tech's going to have to run the ball at some point if they want to have a legitimate chance to win this football game. The issue with that for Virginia Tech is that this year they've really struggled running the football. Um, they've had some glimpses where I mean, the, the offense has looked somewhat balanced. I mean, they haven't really gone away from the run. They've tried to run the ball quite a bit, and it just hasn't worked out as well as a lot of uh, Virginia Tech fans would have hoped. Um, obviously, you lose um, a guy like Marshawn Williams, who is starting to come on. He He's out for the season with a knee injury. Trayvon McMillan, who was a 1,000-yard rusher for the team last year, he's had kind of an up-and-down year. He's shown some glimpses like the rest of the running backs, but... Sam Rogers has kind of been the guy, and he hasn't actually accumulated that many yards rushing this year. And he's been the guy who's gotten the ball most consistently in the running game, I'd argue, um, outside of Gerard Evans, who really is a one-man show right now. He's throwing the ball and he's running the ball. Um, he's been a guy on, on the read option plays, jet sweeps, and that sort of stuff. Um, he's been calling his own number quite a bit, and he's been running the football more than a lot of the running backs had for Virginia Tech. So... They're going to have to do that, but if they get into the passing game, to your point, Virginia Tech has so many weapons on offense at the receiver and tight end position. Obviously, they split out Bucky Hodges, Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips is having a great year, Sam Rogers out of the backfield, you have Trayvon McMillan at running back as well. He's made plays in the, in the passing game too. Um, they've just they've done a really nice job of throwing the football this year, and I think Virginia Tech's going to have to continue to do that obviously on Saturday to have a legitimate chance to beat Clemson, but I think it's going to have to start with the running game and opening up that passing attack, which is really going to be the path to victory for the Hokies. That's how they scored a majority of their points this year is through the air. Yeah, the key here, as you mentioned, the running game is very key, and and maybe not even so much having success with it as just doing enough of it to kind of prevent that Clemson front from really pinning their ears back and going after Gerard Evans. Um, a big thing, too, is getting Gerard Evans working in that rush game. I mean, he leads the team in rushing. Uh, what he can do with his legs is really uh, is a pretty huge piece of this offense. And so between scrambling for yards or just moving the pocket, you know, keeping plays alive, doing things, I mean, his mobility should be a pretty key piece to this game as well. Yeah, um, you know, the ability to keep plays alive, we've seen it all year at Gerard Evans, and it's going to have to continue on Saturday. And, you know, to your point, I think they do need to run the ball as much as they have all year and just do it somewhat successfully. Um, even if it's only two or three yards of carry, you got to keep the Clemson defense honest um, and not go away from the run and become too one-dimensional. I think Virginia Tech, despite having their issues in the running game this year, they've done a nice job of sticking with it uh, for the most part. You haven't seen a lot of lines where Gerard Evans is throwing the ball 60 or 70 times and the running backs really aren't getting that many touches. Um, the running backs are getting their fair share. Justin Fuente likes to incorporate the jet sweep. He's given the ball to Cam Phillips. He's given the ball to Isaiah Ford. Bucky Hodges has carries on the year. So he tries to get a number of different guys the ball. 
in space in the running game as well as in the passing game. So I'm not necessarily concerned about Justin Fuente going away from the run on offense, but I'm a little bit concerned that Virginia Tech won't be able to do it very successfully. And if they can't run the ball successfully in this game, they're going to have a lot of issues through the air because Clemson, like, you know, to your point with their pass rush, pin their ears back with some of their all-ACC defensive linemen. They have um, some of the best best and top recruits in the country um, going after Gerard Evans with a offensive line that's been okay for a majority of the year, but They've proven with a strong passing, with a strong pass rush, they've struggled at times to protect Gerard Evans. So, I think Evans making plays with his feet is going to be huge. But they need to get some sort of running game going in order to open up the pass for Gerard Evans in this game. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, I don't, I don't know that Virginia Tech can really just do it. Like, I mean, like you're saying, not on you know, passing alone, but they're going to have to be able to pass the ball. Uh, ultimately. Figuring out some way to pass the ball, I think, is the key to victory or at least putting some pressure on Clemson here. I think they're going to be able to do it. I don't see this as being a game where, you know, Virginia Virginia Tech just has no issues. I don't see it being a game where uh, Virginia Tech just can't do anything. I think it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. I'm curious to see kind of what the adjustments are that each side pulls, you know, as, as Fuente is running that offense against uh, – Brent Venable's defensive for Clemson. So really curious to see how that works out. Uh, anything else before we talk about the other side of the ball? No, I mean, I think we hit on it. I think Virginia Tech just really needs to establish some sort of running game. If they can do that, I think they're going to have a great chance to score a lot of points on this Clemson defense that while they've been good, they've shown they've been vulnerable at times as well. And I think the best way to exploit that is by establishing some sort of run game. We saw it in the pit game. James Conner had a couple of big-time runs in that one that kind of break break things open in the passing game. And Nate Peterman, I mean, if he can throw the ball in this Clemson defense, Gerard Evans can as well. Uh, Nate Peterman's not a bad player, but Gerard Evans, the way he's played this year, especially the way he's thrown the football, he's taking care of the ball through the air, hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions. I mean, if Gerard Evans is given the opportunity in this game to make some throws, I think he's going to be able to do that. And if he does, I think Virginia Tech's going to have a great chance to win or at least score enough points to win if their defense holds up. The other piece of this that feels kind of stupid to be bringing up, but uh, Clemson's defense has been exceptionally good at home, except for that Pittsburgh game. Uh, now going and playing on the road, kind of or in a neutral stadium at the very least. Um, curious to see how they respond to that. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. Clemson's offense against Virginia Tech's defense. Um, this is a battle I'm really curious to see, too. I think Clemson's going to score their points. That, that's pretty much a given right now with how that offense has started looking in recent weeks. As much as we were kind of clamoring for him for a while, you know, saying this is basically the same offense plus Mike Williams as you had last year. Like, where, where is, where's all the good stuff? Um, that's that's coming around now. Um, Clemson looks really good right now, and I, I think they're going to continue to do so. I do think that uh, Virginia Tech has the horses in the secondary that can run with and play with all that talent. Uh, on the Clemson, you know, receiving core. I, they're not going to shut them down by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not a total mismatch either. So um, I, I don't think that they're just going to totally steamroll the Hokies here, but I, I do think that uh, Bud Foster needs to have his unit ready to play if they're going to try to keep themselves in this game with their defense. Yeah, definitely, and I think the pass rush in this game is crucial. Um, You know, we talked about Gerard Evans making plays with his feet. How about Deshaun Watson? I mean, he's a guy who's more elusive than Gerard Evans. 
I think Virginia Tech should be a lot more worried about um, Deshaun Watson in the run game than Clemson should be worried about Gerard Evans in the run game, even though Gerard Evans carries the ball um, a lot more than Deshaun Watson does. I think the issue here um, in this game for Virginia Tech, and this is kind of an issue they've run into this year, um, specifically the Syracuse game, is that when they face off against teams with a lot of weapons on offense, especially in the receiving core, they've struggled. Um, you, you look at Syracuse, and Syracuse doesn't have great receivers, but they got Amba Edetawo, who we just talked about being the all-ACC player that he is. Um, they had Herb Phillips as well. Um, they have some weapons on that offense, and Eric Dungey was playing it you know, all year at a very high level for them. Uh, when Virginia Tech gets into these games with mobile quarterbacks, they can hurt you through the air. Hello, Deshaun Watson. And you've got a bunch of really good receivers and decent running back, which Clemson has. Virginia Tech has struggled with those types of teams defensively. If that's the case on Saturday, I'm inclined to think that Clemson wins this game going away because I think Clemson, at the end of the day, Clemson has a better chance of stopping the Virginia Tech offense than Virginia Tech has a chance of slowing down and stopping the Clemson defense. With that being said, if they keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket in this game, and that's going to be a big if, if they make him throw from the pocket, they don't let him hurt him with, with hurt them with his feet, I think Virginia Tech's going to have a shot because – to your point, they do have the horses in the secondary. We've seen that when they play against quarterbacks and make them one-dimensional, make them stay in the pocket, don't let them beat you with their arm and with their feet. If it's going to be one or the other and it's going to be a pick-your-poison type of thing, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson staying in the pocket than getting out in the open field. I mean, he's as dangerous as anybody in college football when, he runs with the, when he's running with the ball. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think Virginia Tech has a better shot with the pass rush, with their defensive backs in the secondary hanging with these Clemson receivers who are really, really good. You know, if you get a pass rush on Deshaun Watson, don't let him get outside the pocket, you're able to hold for three or four seconds in the secondary. That could be enough, and you could get the job done. So we're just going to have to see for Virginia Tech in this game. That's going to be what I'm watching for because Bud Foster's defense, historically they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks with good arms. That's what Deshaun Watson is, and we're going to have to see if they'll be more prepared here on Saturday. I'm trying to think, like, if there's either the passing phase or the rushing phase that they can really focus on shutting down, but there's kind of not when you're playing as good as kind of complete of an offense as Clemson is. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I've been pretty honest about the fact that I'm not super high on Wayne Gallman. Um, I, I don't think that he's anything too outstanding, and he, he's kind of been – totally on or totally off in several games this year, and, and I think that that maybe is one of the focuses, is that for whatever reason, Clemson's offense tends to struggle a little more when they can't really threaten you by running the ball. And to be fair, they can do that by more than just Wayne Gallman. As you said, Deshaun Watson is very dangerous with his legs whenever they kind of unleash him and are willing to run with him, which I think that they will be. I mean, they, they kind of pick their spots here, and it seems like the ACC championship game is a a good spot to pick for a, for a guy like that, even even on a, a short pitch count, uh, so to speak, for running plays. But, um, yeah, Virginia Tech's defense, I think that they have the talent to get it done. Like, this isn't just going to be a total runaway, um, just based on talent alone. If if Virginia Tech comes in with a, a poor scheme and, and kind of gets down early, it could kind of turn into a runaway. But, um it's not like Clemson just has the athletes to just totally smother Virginia Tech here. Um, 
I, I think that they and they do have a chance, honestly, to win this game outright. Um, that, that, I mean, they have the talent, and you never know. I mean, if Clemson comes out a little flat or something, you know, playing away from home or you know, it's it's a long season. You you just never know. Um, Virginia Tech definitely has a chance here um, on both sides of the ball. I think that they they have ways that they can go about beating Clemson here. Um, Mike, do you have a game prediction? I do. Um, I think Virginia Tech is going to have a chance to win this game. Um, but I don't think they'll win it. I think Clemson is too good. I, they're starting to hit their stride offensively. Defensively, for the most part this year, they've been pretty stout, um, the, the Pittsburgh game notwithstanding. It's going to have to take that kind of offensive performance out of Virginia Tech to have a real opportunity to beat Clemson because I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be able to keep Clemson off the scoreboard. Um, I think the defense – will be fine. Um, you know, I don't think they'll play as poorly as they have in years past against mobile quarterbacks, a la Rakeem Cato at Marshall, who always gave them issues. Shane Carden was another guy that gave Virginia Tech a ton of issues. Um, there, there are guys that have really torched Virginia Tech with their arm and with their feet. Deshaun Watson is that kind of guy. But do I think they'll do it again on Saturday? I'm not sure because of the stakes being so high. I think Virginia Tech will definitely perform better against Clemson in this game than they did uh, five years ago in the 2011 season. But when push comes to shove, I think Clemson is going to win this game. I think the 10-point spread is about right. I think Virginia Tech's going to be in this game in the fourth quarter. I think they're going to have an opportunity to win. Um, but, but I think ultimately Clemson is too strong. I think the final score... Something like twenty-seven, seventeen. Um, I think Clemson's able to get three, you know, you know, two or three touchdowns, and maybe Virginia Tech is, you know, turns the ball over and Clemson gets a short field, and that might end up being the difference late. But I'm going to take Clemson to win this one by by about ten. Um, I think that sounds about right. I don't think Virginia Tech will go out there and embarrass themselves. I think they'll go out and fight hard and and go out and have a chance to win this football game. But I think Clemson ultimately is is the better team. I think they'll show it on Saturday. When Clemson took on North Carolina last year, I, I thought that, first of all, I, I had been saying for weeks that I thought Clemson was probably the best team in the country, and I thought that they kind of continually proved that throughout the back half of last year into the ACC championship, into the playoff, et cetera. Um, I, thought that, uh, I thought that they would just kind of beat up on North Carolina. I didn't think that North Carolina was going to be able to move the ball particularly well against a very complete and vicious Clemson defense. Uh, and it ended up being a little closer than I, than I thought it would. I think it was within 10 points, if I remember correctly. I, I forget the final score exactly off the top of my head. Um, I, I kind of feel the same way about this game. I, I feel like Clemson is a considerably better team. I think the 10-point line is warranted. But I kind of think that Virginia Tech's going to find a way, even if it's a, only a backdoor cover kind of situation of you know touchdown at the last couple of minutes of the game, uh, I think they're going to find a way to cover this 10-point spread. I, I do not feel, like, really good about that, nor would I put, you know, actual money on it. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, that Virginia Tech is going to find a way to stay around in this game. Um, I don't think it gets too high scoring, and I say that, and yet I'm going to say I think Clemson wins this game, like, 38-31. Um, too high score. I mean, that's that's still a lot of points. The point total is only 58, and I, I also don't feel great about going over that total. Um, but yeah, I think lo- like kind of loosely give me Virginia Tech to cover 10 here, uh, but still Clemson wins 
and goes on to the uh, college football playoff, Mike. Yeah, I think we kind of both have the same grasp on this game. I, you know, neither of us really know how many points are going to be scored. I could see it going both directions. I could see um, Virginia Tech and Clemson both scoring a lot of points. I could see neither of them scoring a ton of points. But I think either way, um, I think it'll be a competitive ACC championship. It, it should be one of the better um, conference championship games of the weekend. I mean, there could potentially be a couple of duds in there. Um, the the Alabama-Florida game, I think, has a chance to get really ugly and relatively quick. Um, you look at the Big Ten championship, that has potential, um, not only because of the college football playoff implications potentially, but it's got some just pretty solid game potential. I think Penn State obviously playing really well, hitting their stride at the right time, and Wisconsin is one of the best two-loss teams, if not the best two-loss team in the country. Um, they, they probably lost that designation now that Michigan uh, lost this past weekend, but Wisconsin entering uh, last weekend was probably the best two-loss team in the country, and I think they're still um, one of the better teams overall. You consider the game they lost against Michigan, a really tight game earlier in the year, and then the loss against Ohio State. But besides that, Wisconsin would have had a, a you know a real strong opportunity to get into the playoffs. So I think that'll that has a potential to be good. We're gonna have to see about the Pac-12 championship, obviously, um, with Colorado facing off against Washington. That game has the potential too, but. It could turn into a shootout, but I think if you want a really good, solid game offensively and defensively where it won't really turn into a game where it's like 52 to 49 or anything like that, you get your money's worth on both sides of the football. I think that this Virginia Tech-Clemson game is the one you should be keeping your eye on this weekend. This does look to be a really good game. I just can't get over the fact, Mike, that we have a Power 5 conference championship game with a 24-point spread. It's Alabama 24-point favorites against Florida, and they might actually cover that. Um, that should, by all means, just be a total runaway, blowout mess of a game. Um, and I think everyone's kind of mentally preparing for that. Uh, as you mentioned, some other really good action. The Pac-12 championship game is really intriguing this year. Uh, Washington and Colorado. Colorado's been a really great story this year. Um curious to see if they can kind of put a scare into Washington, but yeah, it should be a fun weekend. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think the ACC is going to put on a good show here and, and uh, represent the conference well. Yeah, um, it should be a good game. It was maybe one of the more predictable conference championships. I mean, I, th I think Clemson was probably, it was either Clemson or Florida State out of the Atlantic that we guess would be in this game, and, and I think if there was a team in the ACC Coastal, it was probably going to be North Carolina. Your pick was Pittsburgh. I said North Carolina, but I think you and I both thought Virginia Tech would be improved, so it's not really a huge surprise that they're in this position. So, um, you, you know, the conference this year overall throughout the regular season has had a lot of depth to it. There have been a lot of teams that have had really nice seasons. There have been some really bad teams in the conference as well, and then there's been kind of the upper echelon that separated themselves. I think Clemson is obviously... Um, the class of the conference right now. I think Louisville for much of the season was until their last couple of slip-ups. And if you look at the Coastal Division, Virginia Tech, for the most part this year, outside of like the blip here and there, they've probably been one of the more consistent teams in that division, and that's the reason why they're in this position. So it should be a fun conference championship game this Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to find a way to watch while you're in Boston? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll be all over that game. Absolutely. So Go, go uh, meet up with your boy Dan Rubin. <laughs> right? Captain uh, Captain BC Interruption, who's now Mr. BC Eagles, and 
whatever he's oh, doing. Yeah. Writer extraordinaire. He's official now. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he's, he's uh I don't want to say he's big timing us because he's definitely not because he'd come on this podcast anytime. But he's he's big time now. So he's big time without Hell big yeah. timing us. Yeah, what a guy. Well, I like to think that we helped make him big time. That's right. We had a hand take, in that. I'll take credit for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike. We got to get out of here. This has been fun. Uh, it's been a good. It's been a good season. It's been a good year. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what this game does, uh, and we will come back uh, maybe late next weekend, maybe early next week. We'll see and uh, and do the recap. If that's good with you. Yeah, it's cool with me, man. Sounds good. Well, uh, until then, you guys can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can also send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, feedback, you know, whatever. Uh, you can send it to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. That was Nailed uh, it. I'll give that like an 8 out of 10. It the intro could have been a little better. That's fine. Uh but yeah, reach us out, reach out to us on there. Uh, go find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we really appreciate your feedback, especially if you're a hater. We're still looking for haters, Mike. We don't have any haters yet. I don't know how actually legit we are until that that time. It's coming. I'm sure. I'm confident. If you just keep you know spitting hot fire on uh, Nate Peterman in Pittsburgh. That's right. We're getting there. We just got to come out with outrageous takes that we only like twenty five percent believe, and that would hey, get no, the haters down. This is not first take, Mike. <laughs> we will we will not be Stephen A. Smith and Max Keller. Those guys are. Yeah, I guess I see. Yeah, I saw that on today. Gosh, the show's really lost something they, without Skip. They got to find better things to put on TV while I'm at lunch. That's like. I, <laughs> we could have a whole other show on how garbage ESPN's live programming is right now. It's not good. In any case, we'll talk about that at some other point. Well, Mike, have a good weekend. Have a safe trip. Enjoy the game. And uh, we will talk a little earlier, or I guess a little later in the weekend. Yep, sounds good, Joey. All right. Well, until then, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Go ACC.